Welcome and thank you for listening to River Valley Church Fresno's podcast. For more information on us, please log in to our website, rvcfresno.com, or you can find us at the App Store, River Valley Church Fresno. Well, hey, RVC, welcome to our online service. Uh, today, we are all online. Unfortunately, we lost our ability to meet indoors at Clovis North, and so we are working on lots of things so that we can celebrate together in person, somehow outside during the Christmas time. So be checking your email, follow us on social media uh, so you can be a part of that. Hey, we are wrapping up today our last uh, installment of our series uh, on the prophet Jonah, in the book of Jonah. Uh, today we're looking at Jonah learning. You know, we talked about him running. We talked about him praying in chapter two. We talked about him preaching in chapter three. Now it is uh, this moment where God is going to teach Jonah the kind of heart that he's supposed to have when he's confronted with the fact that God's love and mercy is extended to all nations beyond just the nation of Israel, which created a lot of tension in Jonah's heart. Uh, some have said that it, we can look at chapter one as the great rebellion, and chapter two, the great deliverance, chapter three, the great revival, and chapter four ought to have been great rejoicing in Jonah's heart, but really he comes to this moment of the great depression. Uh, chapter four is about God dealing with Jonah's heart. Jonah, you're, uh, still don't, you still don't understand God's grace and mercy how it extends to all people. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today as uh, Jonah uh, gets dealt with and learns uh, who God is and his heart for uh, all people. Uh, we'll look at chapter three, actually verse 10, and then we'll go to Jonah four, verse three right now. It, it says in chapter three, verse 10, when God saw, this is after Jonah had preached condemnation, God's going to judge in 40 days. It says that the people repented, the people prayed, the people call out mightily to God. And it says in verse 10, when God saw that they what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Verse 1 of chapter 4, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord, and he said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. We'll look at really two things today. First of all, Jonah complains. Uh, God relented of the disaster. He said that in 40 days, uh, Ninevites, you'll be overthrown. And they repented and they turned. And God uh, he relented of the disaster that he was going to bring to them because they repented. We read last week, we'll read it again, Jeremiah 18, 7. This is God's heart for all people. It says, if I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, but then that nation renounces their evil ways. I will not destroy it as I had planned. And when God turned, man, that just irked Jonah so bad that he uh, was displeased. It was actually literally saying it means that it was evil in the eyes of Jonah. In Jonah's mind, God was wrong. Uh, Jonah, we could say, he picked up this illness. We'll call it Jonah-itis. He became ill, and there's lots of symptoms for it. Uh, instead of rejoicing 
over the fact that souls were going to be saved and not destroyed, thanking God for the privilege of preaching and being used by God to bring about what's been called the greatest revival in the shortest amount of time in the history of the world. He's angry at God. It shows us that it's possible for you and I to serve God uh, and, and have a lack of genuine love for the people that God's calling us to love. This isn't the place God wants Jonah. It's certainly not the place that God wants us. And so Jonah in verse two, he prays for the second time in this little short uh, book. Uh, This time it's in protest. He's praying to God and he's protesting, he's complaining. He says, this is what I said back in my own country. He He quotes God's word back to God. Here's what you are. You're a gracious God. You're merciful. You're slow to anger. You're abounding in steadfast love and you're relenting from bringing disaster to those who need it. Jonah sees this as an, as an evil thing in his eyes that the enemy of Israel would receive mercy. He says, I knew you were gracious. That's why I ran away. I made haste to get out of town because I wasn't going to obey your call. It's interesting. He had thanked God in chapter two for God's deliverance for him. And now he's asking God to kill him. This is the second time we see Jonah say, I would rather die than obey the Lord in chapter one. And he said, I would rather die right now than to see this continued uh, relenting and mercy, relenting of disaster, giving mercy and grace to the Ninevites who I don't think deserve it. He feels a little betrayed by God, you would say. Uh, I did what you wanted, God, but you didn't do what I wanted. You didn't come through. It's like he's serving God and, and holding God to like, you know, I'll do this, God, if you do this kind of a mentality. Uh, we see, and we talked about this last week, God got his body. God got his mouth. God even got his volition, his will. I will decide to obey you, Lord, and go to Nineveh. But he did not get his heart. Jonah does not have mercy for the people. They were unlike him, and certainly uh, he had good reason to not like them because they were this nation that represented um, potential harm to the nation of Israel, right? They were a threat to the national security of the nation of Israel, and yet that's not a reason to say, I'm going to go and share the good news with somebody who's lost, even though it might you know, be a group of people that represent harm to my own people, my own nation. In Jonah's mind, God was just in planning their disaster, but not just in relenting from bringing it. Jonah was learning. He's learning that God has this deep love and mercy for all people and desires that all men and women would repent and turn to him and find salvation in him. You know, there's so many, uh, as Jonah makes this complaint, we realize that he has a lot of misconceptions about mercy and grace. And I think a lot of us do as well. Uh, The symptoms of Jonah's illness is this, that he believes that some deserve God's favor more than others. Think about this right now in your own life. Here's, here's uh, I guess, a symptom that we might have caught the same kind of you know disease or illness that Jonah has, you know, Jonah-itis, is that some people deserve God's mercy, others don't. Maybe you went through a painful divorce and you can't fathom the thought, the thought that God would bless 
your ex-spouse who's created so much pain and hurt in your own life, or someone who's abused you, or someone who's hurt a family member, and to, in your mind to think that God desires to not only save them, but to bless them. Man, that's overwhelming, and that's where Jonah's at. There are some people that deserve God's mercy, and there are others that clearly don't. Uh, those wounded in this life, those who have been hurt in this life, they face the hardest test of all. Do I see myself <clears throat> and my close friends and loved ones as more deserving of God's grace and mercy than those who've actually hurt me the most? Uh, do we feel as if some people, uh, boy, they got what they had coming to them? Man, they got, that's, a, that's a symptom that we are still, we still have that same bug that Jonah has. Uh, some people, they deserve to burn in hell. Those are statements that people use. I believe, man, they deserve to burn in hell for all eternity for who they are and what they've done. Not realizing that you and I and everyone in this world is, was as sure to go to hell as if we were already there, had it not been for the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ taking my sin and your sin upon himself on the cross. Outside of God's grace, gang, all of us deserve God's uh, judgment, eternal damnation in a place called hell. Here's a fact. No one deserves mercy, including us. People would say, well, some are too far away from God to actually receive mercy. Here's the fact. There's none too far. As long as you are alive, Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 uh, that, that he himself was the chief sinner and God used him as an example of his patience in waiting for people to repent and find salvation in his name. I remember years back when I was a pastor down in uh, Laguna Beach, we were uh, attempting to buy a building and uh, it created a lot of just, you know, kind of craziness in the city because, you know, it was like all of a sudden this building was going to be used by a church and gee, it's going to create a bunch of traffic problems. And, and no joke, this is a tiny little city of like 25, 30,000 at the time. And we go down to City Hall to have this, you know, this meeting with the, with the officials. And it's packed out with 200 residents who are all protesting the fact that a church wants to buy. There was one pack leader. There was one guy that was sort of leading the way. And it was crazy how this one guy uh, was seen by a lot of us in our church as the enemy. Like, oh boy, he is, he's actually being used by Satan himself to try to stop what God wants to do. It is so crazy that he's actually the reason why we were even going to be in that city to be a church so that we could preach the gospel and reach the lost. This guy was our enemy, we thought, and that's the whole reason why we were there, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's so amazing how you just sort of forget, man, hey, God's mercy wants to be extended to all, even those who oppose you or even our church. Jonah looked at God's mercy for the Ninevites, who he didn't think deserved it, as almost a flaw. Like, God, you have a flaw, but it's God's so-called flaw that is actually the characteristics that snatched you and I from a devil's hell. You know, you and I might not wish people, and I hope not, I hope that's not the case, that we would wish that someone would burn in hell. But our indifference, like Jonah, our indifference to their condition is the same spirit behind it, right? Here's the reality. 
Uh, No person in this world deserves God's grace or mercy, including Jonah, including us, including the Ninevites. You know, Jesus told three parables in in the Gospel of Luke. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And uh, he was sharing it with the religious leaders because, see, they were so disturbed uh, and they despised him because they called him a friend of sinners, one whose sinners were welcomed into his presence. And, And so to show the heart of God for the broken ones, the ones that they had rejected, uh, he said, I want you to know that God rejoices to see sinners turn to him in repentance. In fact, Jesus said in those parables, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who are righteous. He talked about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son, the prodigal son. This came up as a lesson to teach the Pharisees who couldn't understand that, that, that uh, sinners could actually receive mercy, and by the way, not realizing that they were also sinners who needed God's mercy. They, they were so filled with pride and self-righteousness, like, well, God is, has to bless us because we're so holy, but not sinners who this Jesus is actually welcoming, right? Jonah forgot he was a recipient of God's mercy. Remember he said in chapter two, salvation belongs to God. God is the savior. God is the one who saves. There's nothing I can deserve to save myself. God, thank you for your mercy. And now he's upset that somebody else is receiving it. He forgot that he was one who gained it. So then we see Jonah being confronted, number two. In verse four, God confronts Jonah. Again, teaching Jonah a lesson about the depths of his love and his mercy towards all the world. It says, and the Lord said in verse four, do you do well to be angry? And Jonah went out of the city, sat to the east of the city, and he made a booth for himself there. He sat under its shade till he could see what would become of the city. God confronts him and says, do you do well to be angry? Is doing good or being merciful displeasing to you? Have you any right to be angry, Jonah? Uh, and then Jonah just like doesn't answer the Lord right here. He actually goes over, he sets up a little tent and he just sort of observes. He's just watching. Maybe, maybe God will see <clears throat> that they're fakers. Maybe they'll, you know, today they're sorry for their sin, but tomorrow they're going to get back to their evil ways. And then I can watch God's judgment fall on the nation and on the city of Nineveh. Jonah became a spectator, waiting and watching to see if maybe fire is going to fall down and God's going to destroy them. He could have been out there. Hey guys, you've turned from your evil ways. Let me tell you about Yahweh. Let me talk to you about how you can live and serve him, how you can honor him with your life, right? Teaching them and explaining who God is and all that he had learned about, you know, God in his word and and really just sort of help them grow as believers now. And instead he's just waiting, he's sulking, he's pouting. And, and he's just hoping that God will not relent of the disaster and pour out his fire from heaven upon them. You know, it's kind of, it's almost like a picture of sometimes we in the church can look at this world around us. And I mean, let's be frank, right? Um, well, I prefer to be Gordon, but if you want to be frank, we could be honest right here. We look at the world, we go, you know, this world is falling apart. Boy, there's so much evil and so much destruction in this world. And instead of saying, let's go out there, let's arise and go to Nineveh and share the good news because it's only going to be changed hearts that'll change our society. 
Uh, sometimes we sit back and just go like, let's just sit back and wait and be spectators. I can't wait for Jesus to return and destroy all of the evil around us and destroy every wicked person. Instead of having a broken heart saying, God, before you return, give us a chance to share the gospel with these people because they don't deserve your mercy, but neither did we. We want to see them saved. Jonah just sits back. He's waiting. They deserve God's punishment. And so then we see that God, again, trying to teach Jonah the depths of his love and mercy, not only for him, the nation of Israel, but for all the world. It says that God appoints three things in Jonah's life. Now the Lord in verse six, it says, God, now the Lord God appointed a plant and he made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. First time we see Jonah happy in all of the book of Jonah. He's exceedingly angry at God. Now he's exceedingly happy. This guy is on an emotional roller coaster uh, during this chapter. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm and the worm attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he prays again and he says, and he asked that he might die. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said again to Jonah, do you do well to be angry? And now he says, for this plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Notice that word perished. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? The book of Jonah leaves us with a cliffhanger. We don't know what Jonah's answer is. How does Jonah respond to the Lord in this moment? Jonah gets excited. He's got a plant. He's got some shade. And then a worm comes and eats it. And it's just like, you can just imagine him just going like, unbelievable. Like, I cannot catch a break He appoints a plant to make me happy. He appoints a worm to uh, destroy the plant that made me happy. And now there's this scorching wind that God sent his way to bring his attention so that Jonah could, could finally learn this lesson about what he should pity or have compassion on and what, in the grand scheme of things, is insignificant. It's amazing how this plant, uh, Jonah became attached to it. He had such love, that's why... God said to him, should you pity a plant that perished? That's where Jonah was at. Uh, It's funny how there's so many things in life, like this plant for Jonah, that we have like uh, this this unhealthy attachment and love for when it's in the grand scheme of things is so insignificant compared to like eternal type of things in our life. He's angry, right? Because this plant perished. And, 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 and God says to Jonah, Jonah, do you see the irony? Like you're angry at this plant perishing. Shouldn't I be concerned about 120? Now we don't know if that's 120 kids 
which would, would, would some commentators say there was over 600,000 in the city of Nineveh, if that was the amount of children there. It could be the 120,000 represented the fact that there were people who were spiritually blind and they didn't know right from wrong. They were just living wicked and evil ways. Like Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, right? Paul talks about his sin. It was done in ignorance. Whatever the case, they're human beings that represent uh, men and women, young and old, who are made in the image of God, and that alone is a reason why God loved them and wanted to send Jonah to get them uh, to turn to God and receive his mercy. Jonah says, kill me now, verse 8. And again, do you do well? Jonah shows concern for something perishing, but unfortunately, it's a plant and not the people. He said, you have had pity. This word pity, it's a, it's a word that... It could be used, another word would be compassion. Uh, you've had compassion on them. And, and it means to love and to have mercy upon. It means to have your heart attached to it, that, that you would weep over it, that you would be broken for it. He had that same kind of attachment to the plant, and God used the same word saying, and shouldn't I have the same kind of compassion, this love, this desire to show mercy for people, human lives? The Lord's object lesson comes to an end, right? Jonah, you pitied your, yourself. Jonah pitied, had pity on the plant that came about in 24 hours and died. But Jonah had no pity for souls. The 120,000 who had just turned from their wicked ways and believed God at his word and actually turned their lives over to him. Jonah felt sorry for himself and he felt pity for the plant and yet God loves and pities souls. Centuries later, we see God demonstrating that, uh, his heart, his, the depths of his love and his mercy for all people when he sent his own son, Jesus, to live that life that none of us could live to ultimately lay his life down on the cross so that we could be forgiven and free and have a relationship with God. John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him Notice this, would not perish, but would have eternal life. God's love and pity for lost sinners, all sinners. Uh, Jonah dis was displeased by it, but that's who God is. Jonah, you pitied a plant, a plant? I had compassion on people. Should I not pity is how he closed out this conversation with Jonah. Again, Jonah learning the depths of God's love and mercy. Should I not have had compassion on people? And Jonah and Christian, should you not join me in loving the people? You know, the final question was like an arrow shot right at Jonah saying, Jonah, how are you going to respond? Right? But maybe because we don't get that response, maybe it goes past Jonah. It goes right to the heart of God's people saying, should I not have compassion on people? And should you not join me in having compassion for those who are lost and broken in this world, even those you think don't deserve my mercy and my grace? Did Jonah learn the lesson? I, I think that Jonah did because, you know, we wouldn't have the book of Jonah without Jonah writing some very, um, you know, uh, uh, things about him and how he responded to God that certainly didn't paint him in a great light. I think Jonah did gain God's heart. I think Jonah did learn the depths of God's love and mercy, became a, a man whose heart was aligned with God's heart once again for the people that God dearly loves. 
But do we have Jonah-itis, I guess, as Jonah had? Here's a, as we wrap it up today, here's the, the symptoms, man. The symptoms are, well, one is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. That, that we would think that we are those who deserve God's favor and mercy because, gee, look at how good our lives are, but man, those people over there, they don't deserve any of God's mercy. You think about the, you know, we call that Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son, but really it's a story about two prodigal sons. One went away and spent his father's inheritance in, in loose living. He wildly partied. He spent all that on, dis, on dishonoring God, dishonoring his father and his family's name. But the other one stayed at home thinking he was so righteous, but yet he himself was a sinner in the same boat. He was just filled with pride and self-righteousness, and it's gross before the eyes of God. Both the wayward sinner and the pious moral ones are in the same condition. They need mercy. The, the older brother was angry at his dad because he threw a party. He said, what are you doing, dad? This son of yours, he wouldn't call him his brother. He, he, he squandered all of your wealth away with wild living and partying. He wouldn't even go inside. And then his dad said to him, son, this son of mine was lost, but now he's found. That's why we rejoice. And that older brother mentality was that I feel like some people deserve grace, but not my brother, right? Some people, the symptom of Jonah-itis, some people have a hard time with God's mercy uh, being shown to those who turn to him. You know, we might not wish others to burn in hell, but our indifference, again, to their condition, our indifference to say, oh, I don't really want them to come to my church. I don't want them to know about God's mercy. I'll just sort of sit back like Jonah and wait for the fire to fall upon their life. That indifference is the same spirit, my friend. You know how it shows up in our life? This lack of uh, mercy or this self-righteousness is when we won't forgive people. When we choose to withhold forgiveness of those who've actually hurt us. Again, Ephesians 4, it tells us clearly, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, and notice this, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. You and I are called and mandated by God if we're the recipients of grace and mercy boy, we cannot, like Jonah, have the heart that says, I'm going to withhold that grace and mercy from someone who's wounded me. Withhold that grace and mercy and not go and share the good news with somebody who we think might not deserve it. I shared this on Sunday outside uh, or indoors, actually last Sunday. Uh, it's, a, it's a quote by C.H. Spurgeon. He said this, when you feel yourself to be utterly unworthy, you have hit the truth. Jonah still didn't come to that conclusion yet that he also was unworthy of God's grace and mercy. And as long as you and I walk around with this illness that Jonah had, that Christians pick up as well, with this attitude that we're superior because, gee, I'm living for my life for God, we forget that, man, we are the ones who are unworthy. You know, Jonah quoted the Bible back at God, but you never read the Bible to actually, um, to uh, you know, sort of, I guess justify yourself is what he was doing. You read the Bible and what it will do is it, it'll, it'll reveal to you and I who God is, his grace and mercy, but it will always cause you and I to realize, man, I am a recipient of God's grace and I don't deserve it. 
I am unworthy as every other human being that receives God's mercy. Here's a second symptom, a lack of genuine concern for the lost. This is where, boy, this is something that that the church needs to, I guess we need to be, be confronted by. Like, does it bother me that people in my life are, are headed towards a Christless eternity. I shared last week, you know, people who are reapers of souls are weepers of souls. Our hearts break with the things that break God's heart. You know, Jesus, as he <clears throat> approached that last week of his life on earth, he looked over Jerusalem and he wept because of the rebellion and the rejection of him as their Messiah who was headed to the cross to pay for their sins and for the sins of the whole world. That's God's heart. If you and I have a lack of concern, a genuine concern for the loss, boy, that means that we still have this illness that Jonah had, right? Self-righteousness, some deserve God's grace and mercy, others don't. And that lack of genuine concern for who is broken and lost among us. We care more about plants that are temporary than eternal things like people's souls. God's desire is that we would share his compassion for the lost, that we would hear with Jonah that our will, our mind, our mouth, our bodies, and our hearts would go with Jonah, arise and go proclaim the message that I give to you to share with those who are lost, right? That there's God has love for each and every person in this world, that there's forgiveness available to all who would turn to him. You need to know John 3, 16. You could start there. You could head into this holiday season and go, I'm gonna share this incredible verse, maybe the most uh, verse that encapsulates the gospel more than any other verse. For God so loved the world to tell people that God loves him, to tell people there's hope in Jesus Christ and that whoever would believe, not live a perfect life, not be the most religious, but who would believe, put their faith in him, that they wouldn't perish, to share the fact that we're all perishing outside of Jesus. Every one of us deserves God's judgment, but that's why Jesus came to take God, the judgment I deserve, he took upon himself so that I could be free and forgiven and have a relationship restored with my creator. John 3, 16, start there. What a great little book we've gone through the last four weeks, right? Uh, Showing us God's great love for all people, his willingness to forgive, his willingness to give a second chance, not only to Jonah the prophet, arise Jonah chapter three, he said, but also a second chance to the Ninevites. God's grace and mercy is always available to all who would turn to him and would call upon him. So we thank God. God, thank you for your love. God, thank you for your second chance. And God, I want you to use my life to bring people into a relationship with you, right? That we would serve, we would love, we would pray, we would give so that other people could have an opportunity to hear the good news and respond to God and receive mercy and grace as we have, as the Ninevites did, as Jonah has, and millions and millions of people across this world have over the last centuries. You know, we we shared, and we, I want to continue to bring this before us, guys. You know, um, who is your one? Who's the one person that you want to see come to know Jesus Christ in 2020? There is still time for God to work in their heart and to use you to work in their heart. You know, last night I had a conversation with a buddy of mine from RVC. 
He was actually somebody's one. And then he shows up and God gets a hold of his heart. We were chatting last night about his one. And then that one's one. The fact that there's this, there's this trail of people who are serving Jesus now and faithfully trying to walk with him and experiencing his grace. Literally, the trajectory of families has changed at RVC simply because there's people that have a heart. I want to see my one come to know Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you? Pray invite invite them to watch our series as we begin uh, in the month of december about the story the greatest story ever told the story of jesus christ coming to be the savior of the world the fact that people can experience amazing grace you know this pandemic you know it can stop you and i from i guess eating indoors working out indoors and even worshiping indoors for a while right but you know what it can't stop the gospel going out and changing lives the gospel message changing lives. God wants to use you to bring that message of hope to somebody who's lost this season. Keep praying for your one. Write it down. Send it in as a prayer request. Let others be gathering around and praying for that person that you want to see come to know Jesus Christ, right? And maybe you're watching right now, and, and let me encourage you, you're somebody's one. Someone has been praying for you if you're watching right now and today you realize, man, I don't have a relationship with God. Here's, here's something I know is true. You're God's one. Like that you're the one that God willingly left heaven, became a man, lived a life none of us could live so that ultimately he would go to the cross and die for your sins and die for my sins, die for the sins of the whole world. Ultimately, so that you could know him personally, you could have your sins forgiven, and you could begin a relationship with God to know that one day when you die, you'll spend eternity with him in heaven, not because you were perfect, but because you believed in Jesus Christ. You had a relationship with him. And right now, wherever you are, you're watching. I want to encourage you, surrender your heart to the Lord. You are his one. He came for you. He died for you. He loves you. What do I need to do to, to, to become a believer, to be a follower of Jesus? Well, we talk about it all the time. Realize that you're a sinner. You've broken his commands. I've broken his commands. For all have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of God's glory. Recognize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, that he went to the cross 2,000 years ago so that he could take God's wrath that your sin and my sin deserved, take it on our behalf, become our substitute, right? So that you could be made right with God. You need to repent of your sin. That means, God, I've been living my life my way. I'm going to turn in another direction. I'm going to go in your direction. I'm going to turn my life to you. And then you receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. You tell God, God, I'm sorry for my sin. God, I want you to come into my life. I want you to make me a new person. God, help me to live my life for you. God, help me from this day forward to live my life in a way that's pleasing to you. God, help me live that life. You surrender your heart to the Lord. There's no magical words. It's just, God, I repent of my sin, and God, I believe in you. The Bible says that he or she who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the truth. That's what God's word says. And if you call upon the Lord, the Bible says that he will save you, and he'll come into your life. He'll establish a relationship with you. He'll dwell within you. He'll make you a new person today. And if you've prayed that within the last, you know, month, year, or today even, and you're like, man, I've chosen to believe in Jesus. What now? Hey, reach out to us. We want to send you a Bible, send you some tools that will help you grow in your relationship with God. 
uh, and just so you can understand you know, what it looks like to, to be a follower of Jesus. We would encourage you in your relationship with him. Thank you for uh, sticking with us in this Jonah series. God bless you. I hope you have an amazing Thanksgiving with three households or less, 10 or less in your house. Uh, and uh, man, we look forward to seeing you guys in December. God bless you. Have a great day.